Well, Merry Christmas, Christ Chapel, and hello to all of you at all of our venues. Thank you for choosing to be with the Christ Chapel family on a, a very special night because it's the night before Christmas, and hopefully all through your house, no creature is stirring, not even a mouse, and I hope that your kids are nestled in their beds this evening and they'll have uh, sugar plums, I guess, <laughs> dancing in their heads, whatever those things are. Uh, you know, certainly children have sweet dreams on Christmas Eve. They're all excited about what's to come uh, tomorrow. And I know you don't know the dreams that you're going to have tonight, but I wanted to ask you, uh, if I were to, to say, raise your hand if you are living the dream, how many of you would actually raise your hand? You see, I think many people, some of you would, would be confused, like, is that positive? Is that Negative, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what it means to live the dream because it is very positive if you're living the dream, but it's actually taken on in our society a very sarcastic meaning as to what living the dream is. It, it, it's, it's a phrase that people use when life isn't working out as they had hoped. It's, it's less than ideal, whatever their situation or their circumstances. But rather than trying to explain it to you, uh, let me just show it to you with uh, some Christmas flavor to it, what it means to live the dream. So for instance, "'Twas the night before Christmas went all through the house, the AC was running because we live in the South." You know, you, you're living the dream, right? No, we'd all, we'd all dreamed of a white Christmas, but we're in Texas, and that just doesn't happen all too often, certainly not, not this Christmas. Or you're, you're living the dream when you live next door to Clark Griswold. You know, I, I don't know how many of you live next to that house, but I would do the same thing that that person did and just say, ditto, just, just don't even try. Don't, don't even try to match that. Or you're living the dream when you're still dating, but not officially part of the family. That's mean. That is super mean. If, if you don't have a stocking for everybody tomorrow morning, please go out tonight and buy a stocking for everyone, because that's just rude, very rude. But I, you know, now that you know the sarcastic meaning of living the dream, I, I think everybody, whether sincerely or sarcastically, would raise their hand and say, we're living the dream. But whether you mean it sincerely or sarcastically, I think we can all relate to being the sarcastic meaning or having the sarcastic meaning of, I'm living the dream. Life is less than ideal. It's not exactly how I had hoped it would turn out. And Christmas is always, and really any holiday, but this Christmas Eve may be a reminder or a marker for you that life hasn't turned out the way you'd hoped. It's less than ideal. Maybe you had hoped you were in a different place, maybe a different job, maybe a, a different city. You just hoped life would be different. You dreamed it differently. Or, or maybe some of you hoped that you were in a better place, a better place financially, a better place with your family or a better place with your friends or maybe you just hope that you're in a relationship with someone. You, you, you had these great dreams and they haven't been realized yet. Well, what I wanna do is look at a couple in the scripture that were literally living the dream but then their dream turned out to be less than they had actually realized, and that couple's Mary and Joseph. In fact, they may have been living the dream so much they invented the phrase. And in Matthew chapter one, what we find out is Mary and Joseph have been betrothed to be married. 
Now, betrothal is such a weird word for our culture today. We don't exactly know what that means. So let me define the relationship for you, DTR, and tell you what that means. Because in in a Jewish marriage, there were actually three different levels of commitment. The first one was engagement. That's the word that, that we use today when we pledge ourselves to another. But engagement in the Jewish culture was strictly within families, Back in those days, there were mostly arranged marriages, and so one family would pledge their son or daughter to be married to another family's son or daughter, and that would start an engagement for that couple. They would be engaged, pledged to one another. But that commitment, that news only stayed within the family. Then the second level of commitment was betrothal. That's where Mary and Joseph were. The betrothal was when that engagement became public. Everybody was able to know about it. Mary was able to wear the ring. You know, they made the the not.com page so that everybody could go on and look at the cute engagement photos and all those wonderful things. Everybody knew about the betrothal. Everything was going well for Mary and Joseph. They were literally living the dream until they weren't. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. When Jesus' mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You see, this was a problem because in the betrothal period, the betrothal period was a one-year period that people would have where they could understand and realize that neither had broken the commitment or pledge that they had made to one another. And when Mary shows up on the scene to Joseph within this year waiting period to realize that each other would be faithful to one another and she's pregnant, the dream halts. The dream stops. The dream comes crashing down. And can you imagine how that conversation went? You know, Mary, probably very meek, comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. But don't worry, it wasn't another guy. I was visited by an angel who told me that what's conceived in me is of the Holy Spirit because I am God's chosen one. (laughs) Joseph says, what? Like, there's no way. That's not logical. That's That's not possible. And he does the only logical thing of what anybody would have done in a betrothal period if the other one was unfaithful is he decides that he's going to break off the betrothal. He was going to break off the pledge. And because the betrothal was so public, there would need to be a public divorce. And that's what it says here, though, is that Joseph, being a just man and having compassion on Mary, decides that he's going to divorce her quietly. There were stipulations in Deuteronomy that allowed a divorce to happen with just a couple of witnesses. And he doesn't want to put Mary to shame, so he says, I'm just going to go divorce her quietly. But once he does that, the relationship with Mary would be severed really forever. They would never be together again. They were literally living the dream until they weren't. And they were sarcastically living the dream. That's the story of Mary and Joseph. But God steps in. You see, at the time when Joseph had made this plan of, here's what I've got to do, I've got to sever that relationship and divorce Mary in quiet, God steps in and intervenes in Joseph and Mary's relationship. If you, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, 
It says, but as he, that's Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, just as Joseph had this logical plan to try to put the pieces of his life back together, God intervenes at just the right time with good news and a better plan. And that's really what we celebrate at Christmas, is that God steps into our mess, into a mess where we can't put the pieces back together. And he steps in at just the right time with good news and a better plan. You see, the good news is that Jesus came. And the reason why that's good news is because we were in a bad place, in a messy place, because scripture teaches us that we're all sinners. And because we are all sinners, we've been separated from a holy God. We can't have a right relationship with him. And Jesus steps in to bridge the gap so that we can have a right relationship with him through his death, burial, and resurrection. He paid the penalty for our sins. He picked up the pieces for us and reconciles us back to God. And that's why it's good news. You see, maybe you're here on Christmas Eve And you don't think that there's any way that God would want anything to do with you. Well, here's what I want to tell you is that God comes to you personally. You know, one of the things that I love when the angel is sent to Joseph in that dream is he calls Joseph by name. I mean, it's a dream. Who else is he going to be talking to? But he says Joseph. Tells it that it's personal, that he's coming to him. And Jesus came for you. Whatever your name may be, it's a personal deal where he steps in at just the right time on this Christmas Eve so that you can have a right relationship with God. And you might be saying, Cody, you don't know my history, you don't know my past, you don't know what I've done. But what I love is he doesn't only say Joseph in the dream, he says Joseph, son of David, which tells you the family lineage tells you all the family tree, all the family history, which means that when the angel comes to bring this good news, to reconcile Joseph back to Mary, same thing happens for us, is that God knows all of our history, he knows all of our baggage, he knows all of our past, and he still comes to us anyway and calls us by name so that we can have a right relationship with God. You see, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, is that Jesus stepped in at just the right time. He steps in with a good plan, a better plan than we could ever come up with, and that's, that's good news. And that was good news to Joseph as well. And the only way, though, that that becomes good news for you is if you embrace him for yourself, which is exactly what Joseph did. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke from sleep and he woke up from this dream, he did just as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, just as the angel told him to do. Joseph literally woke up from the dream to live the dream. He was literally living the dream. And when he lived the dream, it reconciled him to Mary, and it reconciled him with Jesus. And so on this Christmas Eve, what I would ask is, will you embrace Jesus for yourself? You know, remember the name Jesus, as the angel said, the name Jesus means he will save us from our sins. It means God saves. 
And the only way that you can have a right relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why he came. And so on this Christmas Eve, would you accept the free gift of salvation? That Jesus came and died for you to pay the penalty for your sins. And just by placing your trust in what he did for you, you're now forever in a right relationship with God. Would you embrace him for yourself? When Joseph embraced Jesus and he, and he named him, that was him saying, he is mine. He can be yours this Christmas. Will you call him your own? You know, there are two other names that are given of Jesus throughout the scriptures, throughout this passage. One of them was Emmanuel, which just means God with us. Do you feel like God is with you? You know, if you embrace Jesus as your savior, then you have the promise that God will never leave you and will never forsake you. Doesn't matter the mess that you're in this Christmas Eve. You have the promise of God. And that's the third name. He's called Jesus the Christ or the Messiah. That's the one that was promised. That's the one who had a plan from ages past and he came through and fulfilled his promises. And maybe you need to know that God is a promise keeper this Christmas Eve, that he promises that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he's got a plan for you. The same way that he had a plan for his son, the same way that he had a plan for Mary and Joseph is the same way that he has a plan for you. It's a plan to give you hope and a future. And guess what? He can even work together all those things in your past for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, this Christmas Eve, I want you to live the dream. And I don't want you to live it in a sarcastic way. I want you to live it in a sincere way. But the only way that you can live the dream is if you embrace the dream come true, and that's Jesus. The one who did something for you that you could never do for yourself. No plan, no logic could ever put that together, and that's pay the penalty for your sin. The only one who could reconcile you to a holy God. The only one who could give you hope and a future. That's the dream. And you can live the dream when you embrace the dream come true, and that's Jesus. Would you do that this Christmas Eve? Would you pray with me? Well, God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and I pray that you would give each person a real sense that you are with them on this Christmas Eve. Lord God, I thank you that you are Jesus, the God who saves, the one who paid the penalty for our sin, and you came to deliver that good news to us. And I thank you that you're the Messiah, the one who promises and fulfills all those promises in a wonderful plan for us. May we put our trust in you, not only for the salvation of our souls, but for the hope and future that you have planned out for us to give us life eternal and life abundant. It's my prayer, Lord God, that they would embrace Jesus, the dream come true, so they can literally live the dream. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.